0: go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment that's cloudoptimizer.com here you go here you go winning time Nothing personal word of the day. It is hump day, Wednesday, April 6th, one day before Major League Baseball's opening day. But winning time is the word of the day. I'm talking about the Lakers. It's winning time. One last call for alcohol. So gather your players and leave. That's semi-sonic. That's closing time. Not winning time. I'm watching the series winning time about the Lakers adam mckay's series on hbo with riley as jerry buss and everything's about the lakers and their dynasty and it's supposed to feel so good about their team you've got lebron james you've got anthony davis you've got a big three they bring in russell westbrook to complete the big three they are picked and chosen not picked chosen you pick your nose you can pick your friend's nose but you can't pick your friends nose so that's totally wrong ready (laughs) all right coco let's start that over here we go ready and 469. Winning time. Nothing personal. Word of the day for Wednesday, April 6, 2022. The Lakers are not winning anything. They have been eliminated from the playoffs with LeBron watching, hurt, having missed a bunch of games with his ankle. Anthony Davis having missed like 75 games in the last two years. Russell Westbrook having not missed enough games in this past season, all of the pundits saying how great the Lakers were going to be when they got Westbrook, what a brilliant GM LeBron James was for getting Westbrook, all of the pundits shocked, except us here at Nothing Personal. We couldn't understand when Westbrook was brought in why it is that everyone was saying that the Lakers would be winning, because Westbrook doesn't win, He gets traded from team to team because teams get him and believe that he will be the piece of the puzzle that will lead to a championship, and it just doesn't happen. And we knew it the minute he got traded. Wait to see on our show. We talk about what's going to happen, and we revisit it when it does. We revisit it when it doesn't. Either way, we're not going to be like those other shows that just give you hot takes and then never revisit, go back. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. All the way back on July 30th, that's when the trade happened, of 21. We said there's going to be no title for the Lakers with Russell Westbrook. I don't get to say that's a yes yet, because what happens if Westbrook comes back? If you are Jeannie Buss, yes, you're watching her in winning time. You're seeing the beginning of her career when Showtime first started, Magic's first year in the big leagues. You don't realize the powerhouse that she is going to become. You certainly see why it's potential that Jerry Buss isn't going to live forever. You see what's going on behind the scenes as a dynasty is built. And then you look at the Lakers of today and it is no small irony that the show winning time is happening at the time that the Lakers just stink. LeBron James has had one of the best years of his career in terms of scoring, in terms of rebounding, assists, everything about his game. Clearly not playing like the what is he 39 coca 39 or 40 years old 38 some sort of age where it is unconscionable what he's doing but he can't do it alone anthony davis was brought in specifically to be his number two they want a title in the bubble that i'm not going to dismiss because a title in the bubble is a title in the bubble the dodgers won the world series in sort of a bubble not willing to dismiss the 2020 season at all as crazy as it was Although now you've got certain teams saying, we would have won if we hadn't been in the bubble. I've spoken to some players who say the bubble had a greater impact mentally than you'd think. It wasn't the best team. Well, I'm not buying it. The Lakers got a title with Anthony Davis, almost making it worth it, but for the fact they signed him to that max deal, and he just can't stay healthy. LeBron only played in 53 games this year. Missed 29 games. Westbrook, they only played... 20 games together as a threesome that's just not going to get it done you have no chance to be a successful team so what do you do when you are the lakers and remember jerry Buss is dead spoiler alert to winning time like with hal steinbrenner when he took over the yankees from george well it actually went to hank first and then to hal but george always knew that his sons were going to take over and Hal Steinbrenner has spent money the way George did, but I wouldn't say he's has spent it like a drunken sailor. So, four, eight, six. I wouldn't say that Hal Steinbrenner has spent money like a drunken sailor. I would say that the Yankees have spent a tremendous amount of money each year and are not happy with the results they've had but Hal is much different, much less petulant than George was, much less apt to fire a manager. Hence, he has not fired Boone or Cashman when I and others thought it's time you are not getting what you need to get from Boone and Cashman. Jeannie Buss does not run the Lakers the way Jerry did. Jeannie Buss makes decisions whether she's using Phil Jackson, her former boyfriend, to be helpful whether she is using Rob Palenka, the general manager, whether she's using just LeBron James, it doesn't really matter to me. The fact is that it's not for lack of resources. It's for player empowerment gone awry. So I will make one last plea to Jenny Buss and to all other owners and presidents out there. Be very careful the power you give to a player because the odds are that that power is misguided because you are confusing what they will never understand which is their on-court talent is wholly irrelevant to their off-court abilities in every way in business in GMing in anything and it's not that I'm picking on players it's Singers who wanna become politicians. Are there exceptions? Yeah. But generally, it is very difficult to be a world-class figure in a sector and then have that translate into another sector. And being a GM of a team, putting a team together is a totally different skill. Running the business side of a team is a totally different skill than playing on the team. So Jerry Buss, as we saw in winning time so far in this season, He wanted to make it very clear to his GM that they wanted Magic Johnson on the team. But then he was far more focused on some of the ancillary marketing issues. We want Laker girls. We want the Forum Club like the Playboy Club. We want girls scantily clad. We want it to be sexy. It's Hollywood. It's LA. We want stars in the front row. That is where Jerry Buss lived. If Jeannie Buss is living in a place where she does not want the basketball people making decisions you are going to have a lakers team that will not experience winning time again they just won't so where do i see it happening i see changes coming major changes coming so let's start with this we had a wait to see that said on october 25th 2021 we said Frank Vogel will be fired if the Lakers do not make the conference finals. Well, he hasn't gotten fired yet. But wait to see, he's getting fired. So I had a wait to see that he's going to be fired if they didn't make the conference finals. Therefore, they didn't make the conference finals. That wait to see is set in stone because if he doesn't get fired, I lose that wait to see. But I'm doubling down on today's wait to see that Vogel will not be with the Lakers next season. I had another Laker one. On January 17th of 2022, and this is a funny way to see, folks, I thought that I was really on a limb, going against the grain, but what I thought would happen, because I don't do wait-to-sees to to be hot takes, I do them because I really think it. On January 17th, I said the Lakers are going to be forced to play in the play-in tournament. And i meant that to fade the lakers because no one would have expected that they would actually end up in the play-in tournament these are the lakers and i said yeah that's where it's going to end but i have to take a no on that coca which is outrageous but the fact is they're not playing in the play-in tournament it's not that they are not one of the top eight seeds in basketball now the top 10 teams get to say they're a playoff team. The bottom four do this play-in tournament to find two that become two of the final eight in each conference. But still, if I'm marketing a team and I lose in the play-in tournament, to me, I'm still saying that's a playoff team. Now, they call it play-in, but I think it's, you have to be so bad that you play out of the playoffs if you lose the play-in tournament. We should be very happy for the Zion williamson lists pelicans who are in the playing tournament instead of the lakers the greg popovich i'm the greatest coach and have the most wins of all time with a team that's not nearly as good but now i'm in the playing tournament he's in there it's not like the lakers even needed to be 500 the western conference is very top heavy and very bottom light take a look at the standings on the number of teams i believe only the timberwolves are over 500 in the playing tournament I was looking at that before the show, Coca, so there's no question that that could be wrong, but I think it's right, which is really unbelievable, whereas in the Eastern Conference, the play-in tournament, you have to be over 500. So all the talk when people want to expand playoffs, whether it's in baseball or basketball, and the concern is that teams will only build a team good enough to just barely make the playoffs or to just make the play-in tournament, I told you that was horse hockey, and it is the spurs aren't satisfied with their season because they snuck into the playing tournament they're not sitting back and saying all right we did it we don't need to get a big one or a big two or a big three we're good we can be in that playing tournament and make it all the way give me a break folks as baseball season starting tomorrow you think there's even one chance that there are teams forget the tanking teams forget the teams that are around the steve contacts but all the sort of middling teams you think their goal was to be a middling team when we do previews? Yeah, we, we, we're okay. Just win, win 75 games and we'll make it into the playoffs as a wild card. It's ridiculous. So the Lakers will get rid of Vogel. Wait to see. The Lakers are going to get rid of Westbrook. When are people going to stop trading for Westbrook? Someone's He's got a year left. Someone's going to trade for him. Someone's going to say we're going to take his expiring contract. I think he's making $69 million next year. They're going to take his expiring contract and they're going to say, we can get it done. LeBron James is not going to have Russell Westbrook or Carmelo Anthony back on his team. You know what? We're adding that. That's another piece of the pie which guaranteed a loss. And this is an area where everyone disagrees. Carmelo Anthony's a top 75. He's a top 20. First ballot Hall of Famer. Show me the ring and don't tell me he won with Syracuse. So add it. Vogel, Westbrook, and Anthony will not be on the Lakers next year. Book it. All right, Coca. It's a 47 million player option for Westbrook. Well, they're going to have to trade him because of course he's going to opt into that. If team, anybody listening out there, and thank you because there are a lot of executives who are listening now to this show. If you extend Westbrook or do a sign and trade where you get a max deal or any sort of extension for Russell Westbrook at a number that even approaches $47 million, you deserve everything that's coming your way, which is no victories. Thank you, Coca. All right, baseball opens tomorrow. I'm going to start with the previews, Coca, and then I want to go into a question about pitchers and catchers. We started previewing the divisions yesterday. We started with the NL West and the AL West. Today, we have the NL Central and the AL Central. And I am previewing them in their order of negative order of finish. So I'm starting with the Pirates and the National League Central. Sorry, folks in Pittsburgh. Your team's going to lose 100 games. I have nothing to say about their product other than they're bad. They're rebuilding again but you've got the best open air facility there is. So go to PNC Park and just enjoy baseball. It's okay, yes, your team stinks. Just enjoy a day at the park. You have the nicest park. Now, Cincinnati, I was never a big fan of Great American Ballpark. I found it to be too cookie cutter, too boring when I was going around and looking at ballparks. I just didn't enjoy it. There's not much to watch with the Reds, maybe Joey Votto. They did call up their their good rookie. I don't understand. I had a long talk with Michael Hill about this yesterday. We were talking about the show from yesterday, which was about service time manipulation and whether or not teams are acting differently as it relates to calling up players who are rookies because they could end up getting a full year of service time even if they're not called up. So you might as well call them up in the beginning and get the full year. And he thought that it made great sense what the Reds are doing by calling up their number one prospect because hey, let him play. Because he's not going, they're not trying to win games. They can't win games. They won't win games. That was me talking. And he said, get Green the at-bats. His name is Hunter Green. Get him the at-bats, and then you know what you have. And I said, but wait a minute. If he doesn't finish in the top three in rookie of the year or MVP, you're giving him a full year of service time when you don't need to have done that. And he's going to hit arbitration way earlier. Hunter Green is a pitcher. Who am I talking about? Did I talk— is Hunter Green on the Reds? Am I that confused? Okay, Hunter Green is on the Reds, but why was Co- why was Hill talking about at bats? Okay, stop. I've got it. This is how it is. We're live, folks. The at bats were were for, for J Rod Julio Rodriguez for the Mariners because he would call up Julio Rodriguez. He okay. All right, Coca. Can you do me a favor? Can we start that topic over? Okay, ready. 4 8 69. i want to get to the previews first we talked about the pirates i want to talk about the reds in a conversation i had with michael hill we were talking about whether or not after listening to yesterday's show teams are manipulating service time and all these great rookies are being called up and what's the reason and he said as a gm he would not have called up hunter green to be in the rotation for the reds but he would have called up Julio Rodriguez. (sighs) Count me in, three, two, one. I was talking to Mike Hill yesterday, former president of baseball operations for the Marlins. Now he is the senior VP of on-field operations in Major League Baseball. And we were talking about players who are being called up early and whether or not that's because of the CBA. And we were talking about the benefits of calling up a player early versus the possible downside, which is having that player get to arbitration early. The CBA provision now says that if a player gets called up at any time during the year, but finishes in the top three in rookie of the year, that player gets a full year of service time. So it says though you would have called them up in the beginning of the year. So why not call them up in the beginning of the year? I said to Mike Hill, I would not do it this way. However, even if you start a guy in your team, as I'd said on the show yesterday, you could still send him down in May or June, and it's as though you didn't bring him up in April. And we both agreed that was true. But then he said, what I would do were I to be running a team is I would bring up Hunter Green and let him pitch in the rotation for the Reds because they're not trying to win games. So you might as well see what you have with him because then that can help inform what moves you're going to make going forward when it's winning time again in Cincinnati. But if I'm the Mariners, I'm not bringing up J-Rod because we are trying to win games in Seattle and there's no way to guarantee that his presence in the lineup, even though he looked amazing during spring training, even though there's a real chance that he's going to be a superstar, but putting him in and playing him every day right now When it's win now time and your team has not made the playoffs, that's a questionable move. So as you're watching baseball this year and you're listening to people talk about all the rookies and you're watching the teams who are trying to win versus teams that are not trying to win, think about what Mike was saying and then think about this reaction to it. When we are in the room during the offseason putting teams together, we already have in our mind whether this is a year to stretch meaning we have a chance if we do a few things we believe that chance becomes more of a certainty or our chance is not large enough that it's not worth not worth making the stretch therefore we're going to go the other way we're going to contract we're going to take the payroll down or we are a team that is guaranteed to be in the playoffs and we're going to keep our powder dry to the deadline and then add at the deadline or we're a team where we are completely rebuilding and therefore there's no particular reason to do anything. And you are seeing that's how the teams are acting in baseball and the question is where is your team and do the people who run your team agree and understand where they actually are? Delusion crushes front offices and therefore fans. So to me, it's pretty simple. The Reds have Joey Votto and that's it. Let's go on to the Cubs in the Central. They're going to finish in third place. They did sign Marcus Stroman. Are you all happy about that? That's really not going to be good. But they how about the Japanese player Suzuki? He could win rookie of the year. Spoiler alert. He's that good. Now, we I would always laugh with Ichiro. When he won Rookie of the Year, I talked to him after because I met him many, many years after winning Rookie of the Year, and I asked him whether he felt like a rookie, and he said, well, not in terms of my baseball ability, but in terms of never having been in MLB. So I get it. I always thought that a Rookie of the Year, and I said this to him, Rookie of the Year should be someone who's never played professional baseball other than in the minor leagues. And I count Japanese professional baseball as professional baseball, especially because I'm willing to say that Ichiro is the all-time hits leader more than Pete Rose. However, when Ichiro won Rookie of the Year, he was very happy because he also won MVP that year, which just shows you. It's very difficult to win MVP and Rookie of the Year. I think Fred Lynn's done it, Ichiro's done it, and there may be a third, but I can't remember. It may be just those two. So the Cubs have some interesting players, but other than that, they signed a bunch of guys as part of the moving on from Theo, I'm Jed Hoyer, situation they're going to be mediocre now there's some discussion here is it brewers cardinals or cardinals brewers the winner of the nl central is going to be my milwaukee brewers i love this team a couple of things to look out for if you are a fan of the milwaukee brewers or if you just like good baseball they have one of the top four rotations in baseball their starting pitching is three deep and i mean deep deep And their bullpen at the back, they still kept Josh Hader. And they kept, remember Devin Williams, the guy who broke his hand and then couldn't play at the end of the season or in the playoffs because he slapped something? We did a whole show about that. So their over-under is only 89.5, and I can't figure out why because were I to bet over-unders, I would be going over on the Brewers H-A-R-D. Hard. All right, what about the AL Central? Another division that's semi-boring. The Central really has a bunch of bad teams. The Guardians, they have a new name. They're going to finish in last place. They're over under 75 and a half games. I don't know how you don't go under. I don't know how they will win 75 and a half games. I just don't. I mean, I do know because you can't win a half a game. I don't know how they'll win 76 games. Okay, the Twins made a bunch of moves. They freed up money by trading Josh Donaldson to the Yankees. And then they got Carlos Correa. They got Gary Sanchez. Everyone is super excited about this team. I get it. I think they're going to finish in fourth place. I think you're going to see a big problem up in Minnesota. And Carlos Correa is going to opt out of his contract and move on to another team where Scott Boras can get the entire commission. This was a one-year stop. The Twins were trying to make some noise. I give them all the credit in the world for what the Polads are doing. I really do. It's great. I just think they're going to finish behind the Royals. The Royals have someone to watch. They're going to finish in third place. If you're looking at names to watch, a guy named Bobby Witt Jr., he's one of the top prospects in baseball, and his father was a baseball player who I remember very well. You may too. And the Royals just somehow find a way. So I think they'll find a way to third place. First place in this division, runaway, over under 91.5 games for the White Sox. Jerry Reinsdorf at 80, what is he, Coca, 84, 85 years old. Jerry Reinsdorf has a real chance here to get another ring. I don't think he's going to, but he's got rotation depth. He's got bullpen depth. There's a chance Lucas uh, Giolito could win the Cy Young Award. Remember, they have Liam Hendricks. He's 86. Wow. They have Liam Hendricks closing games. They just traded away, as you know, uh, Craig Kimberl and got back an outfielder, A.J. Pollock, who's going to play every day. There's just something they've got. Jimenez, Abreu, God, they're a good team. White Sox are going to win that division. Uh, then you've got all that's left is the Tigers. The Tigers, my guy Miguel Cabrera, A.J. Hinch, they signed Javi Baez, Eduardo Rodriguez, the pitcher, remember? The Tigers could take a big step forward. Again, I'm missing their over-under it's 78 and a half. The Tigers are a 500 team, so I'm over on the Tigers. I wonder if I should just give picks on every team over under. I should keep track of the ones I've done so far, Coca. Can we keep track of that? Because I want accountability. I have the Brewers over 89 and a half. I have the, what did I, what else did I do? I had the Tigers over 78 and a half. And I had the Guardians under 75 and a half. Those are three from today that we are going to remind you of at the end of the season, I promise. Okay something else came out in baseball tomorrow we're going to preview the east and we will give you our picks for the world series and division winners and the award winners we're going to make those predictions because tomorrow is opening day i used to take off side note here coca i was a big knicks fan when i was young but there was something about mlb opening day i liked the yankees but they were not my favorite team they were actually behind the knicks my order was knicks football giants Rangers, Yankees. Sometimes Yankees, Rangers, but generally Rangers, Yankees. And, But there was something about MLB opening day that I didn't think about until I got into the game many, many years later. And I realized the amount of time that the commissioner's office and front offices spend on opening day and the focus on the feeling of opening day, the desire to have people basically stop their lives on opening day, make it a holiday. And in Montreal, my first year in baseball, we drew, the first game we ever played was April, I think April 5th, 2000, April 3rd, 2000. It could have been April 3rd, 2000. It was Kevin Brown against Dustin Hermanson. It was the Dodgers against the Expos, and the Expos lost 7-3, to I believe, in the first game I was ever a part of. I think we lost by the same score the first two games of the 2000 season, actually, to the Dodgers. But in any case, opening day is totally sold out, and then there were like 3,000 people game two. And everyone thought that was unique to Montreal. It turns out that there's a bunch of cities like that where opening day has a big crowd, and then it goes back to small crowds, because you're cold and it's in April and your team stinks and you're not the Cardinals or the Red Sox or the Cubs or the Yankees or the Dodgers, et cetera. So it is totally common that game two, there is this this tremendous letdown. But opening day, you're tied for first place. You're tied for last place. You have this feeling. So tomorrow I'm gonna be watching games from 1 p.m. until 1 a.m. And I don't do that often but I do it because there's just something about watching the first pitch of the first game of a team. And the front office is all excited about it. And I, as a kid, would blow off Horace Mann. I would take the day off with my best friend, Peter Eunice, rest in peace, and he he and I would watch opening day of the Yankees every year, afternoon games. All right, Coca, what's going on in the world of baseball that's crazy? Talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson? get into my Twitter, please, at David P. Samson. Ask me a question. My DMs are open. NFL, baby, but they're open right now. Would you ask your pitchers and catchers to use the technology to avoid sign stealing? Thank you for asking me a question. Now, hello. I wouldn't mind a hello, David, or how you doing, or what's happening, or have a good day. But it's a very prescient topic because word came out just yesterday that mlb is going to allow pitchers and catchers to use the technology that we've been talking about for the last 10 years and that never was good enough to employ during a game and we never thought players would actually use it the technology is a is catchers you know that catchers in the old days catchers would look into the mound look into the dugout for a sign generally what they're looking at the dugout for is whether or not to throw to first But often, there were catchers who did not call their own games, and they were looking into the dugout to see which fingers to put down for which pitch to throw. And if you look, there'd be coaches who were going ear, nose, nose, chin. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to Nothing Personal with David Sampson. So they do, you know, nose, forehead, they'll take the cap off, whatever the signs are for the particular pitching sequence that they want to do that particular pitch. One of the things you want out of your catcher is the ability to call his own game. One of the things we tell pitchers is, while the catcher is calling his own game, you're the one who's throwing the pitches. Don't throw a pitch you're not comfortable with. You want to shake off your catcher? No problem. We're going to have a mound meeting, not many, and we're going to figure out why you guys are not seeing the situation the same. But one thing we always tell pitchers is, do not throw a pitch in a crucial situation that you are not 100% confident in the execution of that pitch, no matter what fingers are being put down. So you go through putting fingers down and then you have a meeting at the mound because the pitcher, and I've seen this happen scores of times, the pitcher forgets the sequence because with the runner on second it's not the first sign you basically put down two fingers then three then one then four and one of those is called the indicator and then the number after that number that's the pitch so if you see two three one four five and the indicator is four that means the pitcher has to remember that the number after four is the pitch and then five is the pitch but oftentimes pitchers forget the indicator and It's called a cross-up when you're watching a baseball game and a catcher sets up to catch a ball right here with his with his glove facing up waiting for a fastball then all of a sudden it's a breaking ball and it hits him in the cup and then he runs to the mound and the umpire and the announcers say oh there's been a cross-up and then the pitcher says oh the indicator was four i thought it was two well now there's technology that the catcher who often you see wears these quarterback cheat sheets in terms of how they approach. It used to be much easier to call a game for catchers. Now you've got scenarios on a two-one pitch to a guy who's hitting for the second time against your pitcher with a man on first base when you're down by three runs. Let me look, ah, fastball. That's literally how complicated it is. Now catchers are also gonna have an electronic device which they can tap like a computer that will send a signal to the pitcher with what to pitch. I just wanna make sure, does everyone everyone get that? It's an actual device. It's called Pitchcom and it's an actual device. And the catcher is going to hit buttons and the pitcher is going to interpret the buttons. Maybe it's the sound, maybe it's fastball. Do 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 do, do do do, curveball. Maybe it's uh, 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 uh. slider, or maybe it's slider, curveball. Maybe I wonder, is it the Siri voice? I wonder if it is a voice. Can you actually make it like in the English tone? Slider, throw a slider, please. What if it's a Japanese pitcher? Is it in Japanese or Spanish? What if it's a pitcher who doesn't speak English? Now, everybody speaks baseball English. Right? I've never I never once came across a pitcher who spoke no English. I came across many pitchers in speaking English who didn't know the word fastball. Curveball, slider, it's like the universal language. But maybe you say it in a better way. Maybe I don't even know the Spanish word. That many years in baseball, Coca, I do not know the Spanish word for fastball. Vit Vitball. It sounds like a meatball. (laughs) So maybe it's just Syrian English. Maybe you have to maybe it's like fastball. Either way, here's my answer you're damn right I want my players using it. Why? Because we'll never get a cross-up and the games are going to go faster. Because when there's a guy in second base, we have to go through 29 different signs. We have to take the time for the catcher. Do you know that the catcher looks up at the batter before giving a sign to make sure the batter's not looking down at the catcher, trying to see what the sign is? Because then the batter can indicate to a runner or to anyone or just know what's coming all of those shenanigans take seconds seconds times hitters equals minutes i would ask my pitchers and catchers to practice with it i'd need my pitchers to be comfortable one thing that i would speak to my trainer about that's not being talked about and this was a conversation when in the competition committee there was a conversation after the third base or first base coach got hit in the head and died and the First base and third base coaches now all have to wear helmets in case they get hit by somehow they get hit in the head and the little helmets they wear are gonna protect them. Right? We make the kids, the ball the ball kids or ball adults have to wear full helmets, right? But the with earpieces and everything. But the first and third base coaches don't. So there was a time when pitchers were getting hit so often on comebackers that we thought, why don't we make pitchers wear helmets? Because one day a pitcher's gonna get hit and die, and that baseball can't have that. We've had pitchers get hit and have real problems, scary problems. But death is obviously a whole different can of beans. But the reason why it was never passed is that pitchers were concerned with the discomfort. And owners were concerned that the discomfort would cause mechanical changes. Mechanical changes cause injuries. So think about how we used to be as team executives. I think about it and it's totally insane. The calculus we did was that a bad shoulder or a bad elbow is far more likely an outcome than saving a life from a comebacker and statistically i'm right anecdotally but it really doesn't sound humane does it hey we don't really care if you die just please don't tear your labrum god that's terrible okay ooh Breaking news, here we go, it's April. I guess it wouldn't have happened if this weren't the opener. It wouldn't be a big deal for the Yankees-Red Sox game to not be played on Thursday because it wasn't supposed to be opening day. But now Thursday is opening day, and the Yankees have already moved the game to Friday at one oh It is such bad weather in New York, by the way. It is raining, it is crappy, and that game is now gone. So here's what's interesting, is that baseball had tried to start the season... With Yankees, Red Sox. That's not going to happen. It used to be the Reds. To all the people out there in Cincinnati, I didn't even care when you guys were bad. There was something comforting as an executive knowing that the parade in Cincinnati and the first game of the year was always in Cincinnati. And it just made me feel like that's it. The season starting because the Reds are playing. I like that. There's another little thing going on, Coca, that's fascinating. Apple TV starts their... Uh, contract with baseball this Friday night two days from now and Apple TV's first game is supposed to be the Mets coincidentally Max Scherzer was going to pitch game two and start off Apple TV's contract DeGrom pitch game one then you have Scherzer pitch game two perfect DeGrom gets hurt. That means Scherzer moves up, and you've got maybe Chris Bassett pitching game two. And then all of a sudden, Scherzer tweaks a hammy and says, ah, I can't go game one, but I should be ready to go game two. I'm a little tiny bit cynical. If Scherzer does pitch Friday, he didn't have a hammy problem. It was a, please, he's got to pitch on Apple TV problem. All right, we come back. We're going to review a movie that I should not have watched, but I did. And I want to catch up on a few things going on in golf because it's Masters Weekend, folks. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thanks for making it through the start of that show. I cannot, when we do a show like this, and there's a lot going on, and Coke and I did a lot of preparation this morning, we, my, my mind sometimes gets confused about where I am about certain topics because I don't have a prompter. I'm doing topics that we've agreed upon, and then I'm just talking about them. And we don't really edit it. We give it to you straight, and you're gonna hear mistakes. And then you're gonna hear commercials. But I'm always gonna watch a movie. I am a sucker for the Netflix algorithm. It is meant for me, much like I am for the Facebook and Instagram ads. Once you buy one thing off Instagram ad or a Facebook ad, that's it. You're totally screwed. Shout out to Twillery. You got me. I love your clothes, but now I bought a blanket. I mean, I I bought a t-shirt. It's insanity. I am the reason why direct marketing works. And there's nothing I can do about it. So, Netflix, I do not rate shows on Netflix. They ask me, thumbs up if you're enjoying this, thumbs down if you're not, let us make your viewing experience better. Netflix has no idea that I don't like horror movies. Wait a minute, Coca. Maybe they do. Maybe they know exactly what I watch and know that I haven't watched a bunch of horror movies. So then... They're th- that algorithm is so good and so advanced that they don't suggest it to me, although I don't think Netflix suggests anything to me. What I do know is that I go to their top 10, which is totally fixed, right? They want to promote what they want in the top 10 because they know there's a million people like me who go to the top 10 trending. Hey, if it's trending, I better watch it. Who says it's trending? How do they know it's trending? How do I know they know it's trending? But if they say it's trending, maybe you fake it till you make it. So there was a movie, there was a top 10 trending movie from 2020 called The Rental. I don't read reviews. I look at who's in it, and it's got Alison Brie. I love Alison Brie. I've never met her. I love the movie she makes. I I love her. I'm going to watch the movie. And then it's directed by Dave Franco, James Franco's brother, who's now canceled completely. Dave Franco from Now You See Me. Dave Franco, who is the husband of Alison Brie, so another director casting his wife in a movie, like the movie that we, like Windfall with uh, Emily in Paris, Lily Collins. But Alison Brie is a phenomenal actress. So I'm watching the movie, it's about four people, two couples, two brothers, two girlfriends, one wife. Strike that, two brothers, one married, one girlfriend. The four of them, they go to an Airbnb. So let me tell you a few things about Airbnbs. I've stayed in Airbnbs. I would never have my home as an Airbnb because it completely freaks me out. The thought of anyone staying in my home, even a guest who I know or a family member, I just – I. I'm doing laundry immediately upon their departure, right? I'm getting cleaning the sheets. I am making sure the kitchen is cleaned. I'm vacuuming. I'm dusting. There's just something about, right? I don't want someone's bare buttocks on my couch. Now, you say guests don't do that. You sure? So in an Airbnb, it's somebody's house, and instead of it being your friends, it's strangers. It did not occur to me and I've seen plenty of movies about this concept, but I had not seen a movie like The Rental where the amount of voyeurism taking place, there's a movie called Sliver. Silver? I may be mixing it up with Sharon Stone and Billy Baldwin, Coca. Uh, Is it Sliver or Silver? Anyway, he'll find it because he's never heard of it. It's probably 30 years old. That's back when Sharon Stone was in her prime. So there's cameras all over this Airbnb in the rental. And it turns into a horror movie, like a slasher movie. I had no idea. So I'm giving you fair warning. This is an independent, what I thought was a romantic comedy, potentially. It is called Sliver, thank you. What I thought was going to be an interesting movie about the dynamics of two brothers who are maybe in love with the same woman, maybe cheating on the wife with the girlfriend, maybe the girlfriends get together. I mean, all sorts of interesting possibilities that could happen when you bring family dynamics in for a weekend. And then before I know it, some guy has the end of a hammer in his skull. And I couldn't stop watching because once I start a movie, I got to finish it. Dave Franco making slasher movies where he could have made a movie that was actually thoughtful with good script and good dialogue, and on top of that, you've totally screwed me from ever staying in Airbnbs or VRBOs. All in all, in 88 minutes, my life changed in a way that I did not want it to change. Okay, let's talk about the Masters. It's coming up. This weekend, we told you on March 31st that Tiger Woods would play the Masters. Yesterday, he announced he's playing the Masters. And tomorrow, he will tee off at 1034 in what is the most exciting comeback since Tiger Woods' last comeback. They were like 10 deep watching him practice. Practice? They're not 10 deep watching Allen Iverson, I'll tell you that. But they certainly are with Tiger Woods. He had his car accident back in February, over a year ago. And on February 24th of 2021, I gave you a wait to see that said, Tiger Woods will play another PGA event. And the reason I I got that right, that's a yes on that, wait to see. The reason why I knew he'd play a PGA event is Tiger Woods has a level of competitiveness that rivals Michael Jordan. The two most competitive athletes I've seen in my lifetime are Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan. He doesn't just want to win by a stroke. He wants to crush every golfer on the tour. But I thought once he had his car accident that actually... He only wanted to come back to prove to himself that he had the intestinal fortitude, that he had the mental strength to overcome the physical deficiencies that he now had in his leg with all the plates and rods and screws, and that it was not about winning. It was about simply lacing them up again, just to say he did. But Tiger Woods met the media, man, and I got that wrong. I mean, I got the way to see right, but for the wrong reason. He said, I'm only playing this because I can win it he was asked directly the question that i thought which is isn't this a win the fact that you're even going to the first tee and tiger woods said no way that's a loss the win is getting the green jacket i love you tiger because that level of competitiveness i absolutely appreciate all right nothing personal pick of the day we had the heat five and a half over the hornets we didn't need all five and a half because they won, I think, by 30 or 29. They scored 144 points. It was like a track meet, it was completely insane. Tyler Harrow off the bench now has the record for the Heat for points off the bench. I think he scored 35 points. The NBA, we started the show with the NBA and the play-in and the teams. There's a lot of excitement at the top of the bracket on the Eastern Conference side. The Heat are probably going to get the number one seed now after that four-game losing streak and the fight on the bench. The Celtics are figuring out, are they going to be a two-seed, a three-seed, a four-seed? They're still tied right now. They've got a big game against the Bulls. They're giving six and a half to the Bulls. That seems way too much. And I feel that if it is too much, it's not enough. Celtics minus six and a half over the Bulls. We are 39 and 30. All right, that was a clumsy mistake ridden, nothing personal. But guess what? We will be here and do it again tomorrow, and we will be better. It's just business. This is nothing personal.